For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball to Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He sets the chance to get through. Bonton Pelly! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. Torment eased and a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. There's a few games this round that will play a profound role in setting the pecking order as we move into the second half of this AFL season. And Friday night is squarely in that category. Geelong is serving as something of a bellwether. You have to take the Cats to move into contention and the Bulldogs have that chance, having re-established themselves after a wonky old start to the season. Friday night footy at Marvel under the closed roof. It's the Western Bulldogs and Geelong who in recent times have played a set of thrillers. Bulldogs out of the gates fast, Geelong over the top. Bulldogs hanging on Geelong after the siren. So will they reprise those deeds at the start of round 12? Jared Waitley with you on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Anthony Hudson's with me. Hello, hello. Evening, Jared, and hello, everyone. It's a good spot to be on a Friday night with the roof closed. I think we're at the right stadium now that winter is as well and truly hit. Yeah, some big games to, finishing with one of the games I'm doing, which is the Dockers and the Lions. And the Lions have uh, played all the other teams in the top four in the next uh, in the next in the next three matches. So fascinating to see. But uh, yeah, tonight that that recent history, as you said, of close footy. And I'm I liked your argument during the week about the Bulldogs that it's still there for them if they hit their form and they beat all the teams ahead of them. That will help them rise up the ladder. And I've tried to be a believer, so I reckon a fair bit hinges on tonight. Tonight, If they win tonight, people will come around to the idea that the run to fourth is on. And if they lose, then they are just in the scrap for seventh and eighth. So I think it serves as a huge night for them. Our old bulls have been profound across the footy landscape in the past 24 hours, Hutto. Our old bull has joined the champions in the Sydney Swans Hall of Fame. So a new category to recognise the pillars of the club. And this will tell you why. Roy Kazali, Laurie Nash, Barry Round, Greg Williams, Tony Lockett, Michael O'Loughlin, Brett Kirk and Jared Healy. Wow. Jared, congratulations. What an honour. Thanks, Jared. It was a great night last night. And it was a humbling experience to be there and uh, really appreciative of the, the footy club that uh, I played 80 games for, a club that... Uh, I'm so proud of where they've come to after uh, when I turned up. It was a good team, but it was a really poor club. In fact, it was really a shell of a club uh, trying to find its way in a foreign market. But to see what it is now and to see what it's achieved um, and to be honoured last night with all those uh, great players was uh, really moving. It's great to have Lisa and my two girls down from Sydney to be there and they still can't believe I ever left the place, particularly when they come down it's 11 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was fantastic. And, and the other element of last night was uh, 
I guess the return of Darren Creswell, who was an unbelievably good player, <clears throat> fell on uh, some difficult times and went through some very dark uh, moments in his life and had never been back to the club, but uh, he returned as a prodigal son of sorts and uh, he left uh, to a standing ovation. So it was great for him and uh, just reminded me again of just what a sensational element of football Hall of Fames are for the club and if you're lucky enough at the AFL level there. They're cathartic, they, they bond, they remind you. And some of the history of, of uh, the South Melbourne days and the VFA days, it, uh, you just get, you get um, I guess, you, you just forget about that. But on these particular nights, you, you realise just how big this game has been through generation after generation. And, and the Swans have this uh, element to their Hall of Fames, which is a heritage element where they acknowledge elements of the club that aren't, based on individuals, but uh, it's, for instance, the songs there. The SCG, their home ground, is there. Um, they inducted Buddy's 1,000th goal last night, and the vision of that was just spine-tingly. We were lucky enough to be there, and it just reminded me of how spine-tingling that moment was. And I just think that this is why Hall of Fames are great, because in 10 years' time, when Buddy's passed... His best, well, he's past his best, but when he's past his career and in 50 years' time, we're still going to be have people turn up and they'll play that again and we'll see it. And they're the greatness of, uh, of Hall of Fames. And as a final point, I think that there is still one thing missing from the heritage list, which I suggest, and that's Warwick Kappa's shorts. <laughs> I think they have to go in. Well, it further enshrines your legacy with the Swans. So congratulations Thanks, to you and, yeah. and to the family. Yeah. And then one of the most cherished speaking gigs of the football season is the Norm Smith oration. And Nathan Jones was invited to prepare that last night. So, Jonesy, great to see you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Jared. Yeah, it was, um, well, again, another amazing honour, really. Uh, I remember a, f well, a month ago now the MCC approached me about it and I was a little bit sort of unsure of whether I was prepared to, I guess, uh, be as open as I wanted to be about just my entire journey really that's sort of what I covered off and what an amazing night it was I hadn't heard about it before previously and uh, did my research obviously Jared has been a speaker in the past and um, and I was lucky enough to share the stave, stage with Sarah Jones from uh, Fox Footy and wow she was amazing her uh, her brief was a love letter to footy and um yeah, just captured the hearts of the room, really. I felt a, a fair bit of pressure heading up there because she... She was a fair and footy nuffy. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Was, and she just like... terrific. Oh, yeah. It, like a, captured such an amazing sort of perspective of of where she's come from and her journey. And um, and then, yeah, I sort of just got up there and tried to be as honest as I could. Obviously, I don't have the presenting skills as, uh, as Sarah does. But, um, yeah, I just, as I have always done, just wore my heart on my sleeve and uh, just tried to sort of share my perspective of my career rather than, um, you know, what you would have seen watching the footy and reading media and seeing me speak in the media and stuff. It was more, you know, my journey and how I was feeling through those different years and those moments. And obviously it came to a head last year when I retired and the Demons went on and won the flag. So... Yeah. It was raw. I was lucky enough to be there, Jared. It is a fantastic night. And congratulations, Jonesy. It was, it was terrific. It, it was raw and there was times, I'll let you speak for yourself, <laughs> obviously, but there was times where you found it a little difficult to speak. Yeah, yeah. We, it was one of those things where, almost like a movie, where you know 
you know the outcome. We all knew the story going in, but to hear it and to, and to feel it, and that's what you're able to do. You're able to let us feel it, and even though we all must have thought at the time how hard this would be to, to get your insight into it and the honesty you displayed, it was, yeah, it was very, very brave and must have been really tough to deliver, but you did it so well. Yeah, well, I think it's like when you start to... Well, and that was the trepidation from the beginning when I got asked, was like, how am I going to do this, and am I willing right now to unravel everything and and sort of pull it back together as far as um, you know how I felt not only with the previous sort of 12 months but 16 years of being in the game that I absolutely love and then you I went back even further and you're reflecting on your junior career and why you love the game and just it was in that moment you just realize how much it actually means to you and it's um, and now that I reflect on I'm glad I had the courage to do it because it's like you just have such a great appreciation for it and that's one perspective I didn't mention last night but now getting the opportunity to be in the media it's like rekindled that love for the game that I had when I was a kid again like you're watching it from a perspective where you're just enjoying the game as a spectacle and the talent of the players and and the contest as such and um yeah I'm I'm really enjoying that right now which um I'm sort of glad because I didn't know where that love was going to end up after you know the emotional roller coaster, particularly of my entire career, but sort of how it, how it ended. So did you so you put on the bravest face most of us can recall in recent memory in footy? Did you delve into your soul and yeah, and yeah, share absolutely. Um, yeah. I think it was more when I reflected post my career and just how I was feeling when the dust had settled and the. Um, my realities had set in, you know, like... Uh, How many days? Are, what was the worst time post-grand final? Uh, there, was, there was a few, but certainly once I'd sort of spoken to a lot of the players, just regularly seeing the celebrations, I sort of had to really remove myself from that for a bit just because I needed to process it all in my own mind. And funnily enough, Jared and I have a great relationship and um, and we spoke on the phone and he gave me some pretty... Uh, pretty important advice at a time when I was sort of, you know, as, uh, as pretty normal for most people, you tend to feel a little bit sorry for yourself. And, um, and yeah, we had a great conversation on the phone, which is what I touched on last night. And my wife followed up with that. She was obviously, she lives with me every day. So the persistence from her to try and pick me back up and, and show me a newfound perspective on things was, um, she was unrelenting really in that space, but there was probably a really important moment with some, some, uh, well, a quote that she shared with me and, and that enlightened me to the reality of uh, what really fulfilled me across my career. There are many stages I think you go through post your career and, and the end of your career was, was one of the most savage in many ways. Um, I think you go through denial and it's, it's like the, you know, the, the five or six phases of, of grief or remorse or whatever it is. You, de- you go into denial, you get angry... And then slowly acceptance comes. Are you through the anger? Yeah, for sure. Like, are, are you into acceptance? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where ultimately where I got to. In my speech last night, I spoke a lot of my career was like based on wanting to achieve, you know, and you attach an element of your worth to whether you win a premiership or you win a best and fairest. But as we know, it's very similar to the real world where you, know, you buy a new car and it doesn't necessarily fulfill you. So then you're looking for the next thing, looking for the next thing. And I think I chased that for my whole career. But when I stepped step back and looked at um, my career as a whole, it was more the impact on I had on people and what that meant to them, particularly through the really dark years, that 
that brought me absolute fulfillment. And it wasn't until I could see my career from that perspective that I sort of let go of anything else that I tangibly kind of attach my um, career to. And, and ultimately that has allowed me to reach a point of acceptance and go, you know, that's part of my journey. And you, you're, sometimes you're in the right place and you're lucky and other times, you know, you can do as much as you can, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee it's going to come to fruition. And um, that's life. I mentioned that late in my speech last night. Footy, the game itself is such a reflection of life and really all of the joy and fulfillment comes in the journey and the process and just like day after day all the little wins and little losses shape you to be the person you are and some guys are fortunate enough enough to play in premierships and some aren't and ultimately um, I got to a point of just accepting that you know that was the the choices I made and the journey that I was on but ultimately that shaped me into the person I am today. The quote that you mentioned from your wife, is that private or did you share that last I shared it but I can't actually remember (laughs) off the top of my head. Is it something that it's not what was how you make them made them feel? Yeah, it's, it was about that. About she sort of. So what? At the end of the season, I was obviously sort of, a memorable quote for you. Nah, yeah, well, it was. I just there's a lot going on right now, yeah. but I think it's just the more I uh, reflect on the end of the season, I sort of tried to close myself off from it. And I guess the moral of the entire story was a lot of people close to me told me to actually open myself up to it, like the appreciation and love and respect that people had, and. And ultimately, I got to that point, but I still felt a sense of like inner turmoil, and I wasn't really sort of comprehending why people felt that way. And it was a yeah, my wife just mentioned, you know, it's not necessarily about you know what you did or what you said; it's actually about how you made people feel. Um, that's essentially what the quote is. And uh, and yeah, when I looked at it that way, I was like, that kind of brings me a lot of you know a lot of emotion and you feel really proud because it wasn't anything uh you know as far as rewards it was the effort and grit and resilience and um commitment that you showed through desperate times that inspired people to still believe and um and ultimately that's you know probably a greater reflection on whether i have a medallion or not well, I reckon I speak for those who listen as well as those of us who sit in the box. We're lucky to share Friday nights with both of you. So congratulations to you both. That's not just the lollies and the biscuits. It's produced some good ones for tonight. <laughs> Thanks, nice. Jared. So well done, well done Jones. Both. It was really moving. Thanks, mate. Um, a quick thought about tonight. We're going to touch base with both teams, Geelong and the Bulldogs. How, how do we feel about this matchup as we, as we come to view it? I find it's a final for the Dogs. You can code it whichever way you like, but the Dogs have got a really difficult run coming into finals. And I mean, they're in the premiership business. They've won a premiership from the, the bottom half once before. It may well prove to be a, a one-off rather than just a, uh, a portent of what's going to come regularly. But to give themselves a really good chance, I think they, they need to win tonight. And, and I think that their best is still well and truly in front of them. I think Tim English, if you, look, go, you go back to last year, what's improved, well, I think the biggest, most, the, the biggest improver I've seen this year is probably Tim English. I mean, this time last year, his coach was sticking him in the forward line. He was putting him out of the side. Right now, he's only four weeks away from being regarded as the best ruckman in the competition. I reckon he was that for four weeks. It was him and Max and Daylight. Um, I know Witsy's going well up on the Gold Coast, but I think this bloke does more around the ground than Witsy. He, he reminds me uh, 
a lot of the the very mobile ruckmen, you know, like Jimmy Steins and Peter Moore were two, and uh, Coxie, the West Coast, has probably been the best of the, of the three of them as a mobile ruckman. But this kid, his improvement this year is something that has still got another 12 games plus finals to play out. And if he keeps on improving at the rate he's going, he could A, win their best and fairest, B, he could get in the All-Australian side, and two and three, he could under, underpin another serious finals campaign. So that's what I'm looking forward to tonight, just to see if he can actually take it up to Geelong, because saw them last week. They're going well. They've got a few holes, but they're going pretty well. They're hard to score against. But Bailey Smith is another one I think has jumped up a level going into the middle of the ground. So they're, they're exciting, but if they are to play serious finals and become part of this uh, race for a premiership, I think tonight's a really big game for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love your sentiment with, uh, with Tim English. Um, his mobility at his best, I just love when he scoops the ball up and bursts out of stoppage mm. and gallops away from him. Um, and I think ultimately that's where the game's won or lost tonight, really. You think, uh, I question the depth of the Cats midfield versus the dogs and I think you know you look at the dogs recent form they've been terrific at scoring from forward half stoppages and they've been elite in that contested possession two really key stats that demonstrate their humming in that area of the ground and um, you know I think for Geelong to really get any sort of ascendancy tonight they're going to have to match them there and give that potent forward line they've assembled down there any sort of chance and that's the beauty I've seen a lot of people's uh First half All-Australian sides, and for some reason Tom Hawkins isn't in uh, some of them. Uh, Tom Hawkins, to me, is still the best forward by a long way in the competition. Don't judge Tom Hawkins just on the goals he kicks, as some people do, and some people try to defend that notion. It's nonsense. It's the amount of goals, A, he kicks, it's the amount of goals he creates, it's the amount of goals he gives away. And Tom Hawkins, to me, is uh, the premier forward in the game. He's got Jeremy Cameron beside him. He's got uh, a kid called Close who continues to, I think, be undervalued. Stengel's going really well. Gary Rowan's back in after missing one. I mean, they've got a really good forward line, but it's underpinned by the greatness of Tom Hawkins. So him against uh, probably Keith is, you know, a battle. We don't often come for the one-on-one battles, but uh, we are seeing them more and more this year. Well, the one at the other end uh, could be very tantalising, couldn't it, uh, with... Sam DeConing, uh, who uh, Gary Lyon's been boosting for a, a good month or so, finally got his uh, Rising Star nomination during the week, and if it's, it's he against Norton, as predicted, it could be quite a sight, Jonesy. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, another one of those matchups that you're looking forward to. I think there is, a, in this game in particular, and due to their recent history, there's matchups all over the ground where you think, whew, that's going to be a good one. That's going to be a good one. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to tonight. Let's uh, head into the Geelong camp first up. Nigel Lappin is with us from the, the coaching staff. Nigel, always great to have you with us on AFL Nation. Evening, guys. Thanks G- for having me. Give us your systems check on Geelong. One to go to the bye. You've been hanging on through a bit of injury. One to go. How, how are you travelling? Uh, travelling pretty well. Um, the good thing is the guys that are out here um, are in good form and um, they're very well conditioned. We've obviously got a couple of guys coming back tonight, which we're excited to have back in the team. Gary Rowan was really good in his first game, so hopefully he can find a little bit of form moving forward and, and obviously good to have the big Ruckman back. Nigel, Sam DeConing, obviously the rising star. We're just talking up about key matchups in the game tonight. We're hoping, hopefully you can confirm, that he gets the, his opportunity against Norton tonight. Yeah, he definitely will. Like He's going to need some help at times. Um, we all love the way that um, Aaron plays. He's an incredible footballer, so... Hopefully we can get a fair bit of pressure on. If we can get enough pressure on, as you guys have seen, um, Sam reads the ball as well as anyone in the air, and he's certainly going to back himself. And 
And as you know, we've got some um, really good help back there. Tom Stewart's one of the best in the competition with his intercept marking, and we're going to need him to be tonight. Hey, Knight, is Sam at the stage where he can adjust how he plays against a player, or does he just play the way he plays? Yeah, no, he can definitely adjust. I think um, if we think back a few weeks ago when we were here against the Saints, he, he was sort of bodying uh, Max King early, and then he sort of made the adjustment pretty quickly after about 10 or 15 minutes to, to sit off him and back himself in the air, and, and that certainly suited him better. So he's got the capacity to do both. Obviously, if he, he tries to wrestle sort of Aaron tonight, that won't be his go. He's, Sam's pretty strong, but at the same time, um, Aaron's probably a little bit further advanced in that area. So... It'll be a really, really good contest because both of them will be backing themselves in the air. Tom Stewart, uh, he's number 44 and he's uh, accumulating about 40 possessions a week uh, these days. Nigel, every week I come to the footy and uh, I get amazed at uh, clubs getting beaten by what they know, which we know is uh, one of the immortal sins that David King always talks about. Now, we know that this bloke, if you leave him alone, is going to get 40 and rebound and... Uh, Bob up with best on the ground like he did last week. Just as we know, Lockie Neal is going to get 35 if you don't tag him and uh, the like for many a, a midfielder. Yeah. Over the last few weeks, people have started to uh, put some coolers on uh, midfielders in the second half. Do you think we're going to get to the stage where Tom Stewart gets a minder and Tom Stewart is actually prevented from getting to the football? Yeah, there's obviously been some teams that have tried that in the past. It's, um, as you know, Jared, it's really important. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to have a player that's capable of doing that. So Tom's, you know, obviously his aerial work is second to none. And if he has a player that follows him around, that means that Tom can dictate his his starting points and help us out as a team. And and he just outreads. He outreads the best, let alone people that are just trying to play on him. So um, it's a really good weapon that we've got in our team to have him be able to dictate his starting points. But... The other part with Tom's game as well, like he's very adept at ground level and he's super tough. Like we, we all love his aerial work, but the thing with him, he sets the tone for us with his attack on the footy every week. He's a really good leader within the group and he's a, he's a wonderful person. Was part of the reason he went to the wing to be able to um, adapt if he, if he is getting shut down or was there a, what, was, what was the sort of reasoning behind that? Um, yeah, look, we, we um, were really keen to have a look at it. Uh, Tom's got the capacity to play any position on the ground and um, we just thought, just in a couple of games that we did that, that um, we'd prefer him to be intercepting further up the ground against those teams than, than in defensive 50. So things change week to week with different oppositions that you come up um, against. And it's really nice to be able to, to try some players in some different positions because you, you find out one way or the other. So, Nigel, just for clarity, because I was discussing with a senior journalist on the way in today about his halfway All-Australian, and he had Tom Stewart penciled in as a key defender. Is Tom Stewart now a key defender or is he a wingman? Uh, no, he's, well, he's definitely a defender. Um, whether he's playing on the wing or he's... Starting he's playing, position. Yeah, or he's playing in defence. He, he's got a defensive mindset. He loves playing back there. He's a leader of our back six. And if you, if you name him on the wing, he'd be very disappointed. Okay. <laughs> it's good intel together. I like it. <laughs> um, the, the forward setup. So at the other end, you've got... Cameron and Hawkins, who have each had great games along the way, and Stengel. So I'm just curious, has he, has he exceeded what you thought he might be able to give you? Um, yeah, probably personally. Um, not, not if you talk to some of the other people. Like Josh Jenkins has been, and Paddy have been a big fan of him for a while. They've been trying, him, trying to get him to our club for a couple of years now. And um, the good thing about Tyus and what um, some people are probably not aware of, he's unbelievably um, astute with football. So you, 
he's one of those guys that you can show him something once and he just gets it straight away. Um, he's unbelievably composed out on the ground. He's a brilliant ball user and he's got a, lift, a lot of different tricks. Like if you if we need to, we can play him deep and he's okay in the air. He's wonderful at ground level. But when you get up those type of players up the ground, he's he's really slippery and he can. Um, charge back to goal and lose his opponent in traffic very easily so um, he's been a really important player to us he's a he too he's been a fantastic young man he's slotted in really well and we're loving having him in the team it was interesting speaking of small forwards that you picked up another one in the mid-season draft it feels like Geelong have never been as well stocked for small forwards as they are now yet you've seen fit to pick up another one yeah look I think uh, the other day in the draft there's a couple of guys that the club had their eye on and um one of them um, went a little bit earlier, and and Zane was was certainly on their radar, and um, yeah, pretty exciting. Like it's it's really important to have um, to quality players, particularly with the the guys that we've got playing forward. We've got a couple of key position players coming through too, so we want to make sure that our age profile um, adjusts around that. Um, so we've got we've got some options there, definitely. Nigel, good luck for tonight. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Nigel Lappin from the coaching staff at Geelong. The Hyundai Staria load is the van that is big on space and huge on safety. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP, available from 47990 Drive Away for ABN holders. Take a tech drive today. It's the surplus of small forwards mm. at Geelong. It is, it is interesting. It was surprising, yeah, Zane Williams, but... Um, yeah, the whole mid-season draft was was quite interesting, wasn't it? Who would to... you have picked up, Hutto? Not not per, per, not name-wise, but what position well, would I you have picked midfield up? Well, I think midfield is where for the future. Yeah. If, if there was a, a midfielder that had some qualities that they don't have at the moment, so Mackie's got it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> He's a listener to the program. <laughs> we'll delve a little further into the mid-season draft and talk the mid-season trade as we go into the dogs camp next. The AFL Nation pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. The huge sale is on right now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Times. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Times. Hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy to begin round 12. We're at Marvel Stadium for the Western Bulldogs and Geelong. AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Chris Grant is going to join us in a few moments' time, uh, having touched base with the with the Cats. We'll do that with the Dogs, and then we'll spread out to the other issues of the week. Jared Healy, Nathan Jones, Jared Waitley, and Anthony Hudson with you for the caller. Our intrepid producer, who's a Dogs man, gave us the very useful stat at the start of the night. That opposition key, the the opposition key forward has kicked three goals every week mm. against the Bulldogs in the first eleven rounds. So I reckon you can put Tommy down for a five. <laughs> oh, I reckon. Oh, well, we've got two. Sorry, not week. Geelong have got two. Jeremy Cameron. <laughs> yeah, we got two down there. Does that equal three for both of them, uh, Joel or everyone? <laughs> it's a, like we were discussing just uh, a minute or so ago about the deficiencies of the Cats, and we've all sort of been in. Uh, Agreement, a couple of def- a couple of mid short, yep. but tonight they bring in Tim Stanley, uh, Reece Stanley, I should say, and that allows Blitzarves to play that extra midfield role. Whether or not he goes there is debatable, but uh, it does give them another 
weapon in there. All right, the general, uh, the uh, head of football at the Dogs is Chris Grant. Granty, great to have you on AFL Nation. Thanks, Jared. Have you found your rhythm, do you reckon, over the past few weeks? Uh -huh. yeah, well, it's been pleasing. It's certainly uh, heading in the right direction. Uh, the last, uh, you know, sort of three or so weeks have uh, been able to give us a chance of uh, playing a bit more consistently across three quarters. Um, you know, certainly individuals have started to find their groove a little bit. Um, and in fairness, um, you know, the team we're coming up against tonight um, will be the biggest test in that period. So um, we'll see how we go, Jared. If you were giving a most improved award, Chris, I don't think you would have ever picked up that award. You were uh, flying up for uh, higher honours. Who would you give it to this year? Because I reckon you've got a few standouts. Yeah, well, I think what's uh, happened over the course of this year, uh, Jared, is that you know a lot of a lot of players that uh, we've been able to play to a really high standard for well significant uh, years in a row, um, you know, and more experienced players have probably had their their periods where they haven't been at their best. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that's uh, um, even at Marcus at times, um, uh, you know, some of our leaders have had some really good uh, performances and some really sort of inconsistent games here and there. So, you know, I think from, um, you know, from an improvement perspective, you know, what's been really pleasing is, you know, players like, um, you know, Ryan Gardner, um, uh, you know, probably doesn't get uh, the kudos outside yep. of our football club as, as much as we give him internally because, you know, invariably he ends up um, uh, having to play on some uh, incredibly good and talented um, uh, forward line players. And, um, he's been able to really uh, level um, the score as far as the battles that he's had. Um, from time to time, um, he'll get done. Um, but for the majority, um, I sort of think that for him and uh, and maybe just the, um, the the fact that the ball um, we haven't been able to retain in our forward half as often as we would um, would like, um, and then the fact that it's actually been in our def uh, defensive fifty quite often, yep. um, he's been up against it. So. Um, when you sort of overlay that to it, he's had a pretty good year, I think. Yeah, he'd be uh, absolutely vying for it. I reckon Ed Richards would push him. Williams on the wing. That's been a terrific move for you. But for me, the standout, and we talked about it earlier, is Tim English. His, his upper end looks absolutely all Australian to me. Yeah, well, I hope you're right, Jared. Um, yeah, all of those players clearly have um, been able to um, play some really good football at times. And I think Ed um, very much in the mix for... Um, uh, for you know the, the most improved, the most consistent over the course of the uh, the whole year, um, I think Bailey, um, in, in sort of going back to him quickly, um, he's had some uh, good performances early. Um, went out of the team, um, uh, you know, sort of relearn a couple of things, uh, went back to a few basics, and absolutely right, he's, he's come onto that wing position and played really well for us. So hopefully that um, stays true for him uh, for the remainder of the year. Um, and then with Tim and um, like even Aaron Norton to a certain degree, um, as much as he's been there consistently and Tim has had his five weeks out, um, both of those boys um, are just starting to hit that age bracket. Um, games played, um, you know, really um, have a, um, a, an enormous amount of confidence in their own ability and probably been able to back that up with um, another really solid pre-season. Um, and we're seeing, uh, you know, what we always hope would be the case, the best of them come out. So, you know, in the back half of the year, um, you know, hopefully they can continue to do that um, and the rest of them can follow. Chris, Riley West has strung a few games together, kicked a few goals last week. What's he finally bringing that is impressing you guys the most? Yeah, he's been really important, Nathan, uh, particularly uh, been impacted as much as we have um, as far as you know, availability. Um, you know, I've had to dig pretty deep and you know, players like Bo uh, uh, Westy and a, and a couple of others um, didn't just come in straight away on the back of that. Um, we really wanted to make sure, and Bevo wanted to make sure that 
um, anyone coming in has got some reasonable form behind them uh, to give them confidence at the next level, and and that's why we saw you know players like um, you know Luke Cleary get an opportunity because he earned that uh, on his merit, and the same with Riley, you know, and he's been in the system now for um, for a few years, and you know Bevo really did want to make sure that if he got that opportunity, it was on the back of some really solid form at um, at, at scray level, footscray level. Um, he's been able to come in and play a really important role for us. And, you know, what we're lo- looking for, for Westy is we know he's, uh, he's bringing it some things. Uh, we're just looking in, uh, for him to, to do the basics well all the time. Uh, and he'll get the opportunity from time to time to, um, to hit the scoreboard, um, kick an amazing goal, um, take a big grab. Uh, but ultimately, uh, we want him to do the basics consistently. Um, and I think Nathan has been able to do that over the last couple of weeks. Chris, there's been a uh, raging debate, really interesting debate all week about whether or not we should introduce a mid-season draft for uh, AFL players, not just those Tra- outside trade period. AFL, yep. a trade period, yep. yep. Where, where do you sit on it? And if, in fact, one was forced upon you, if you even if you're against it, who would you be putting up and who would you be chasing? <laughs> <laughs> How long have you got, Jared? Yeah. I, I reckon we've only, up got, in 30 seconds, we've only got a couple good. of minutes, I reckon. But, uh, look... Uh, first and foremost, from a personal perspective, you know the fabric of a team for the year um, sits really comfortably with me. But you know that's that's just me, and I think that's historical. Um, I think where the competition's heading, like it has around the world, it's inevitable that it'll um, come at some point. Um, you know, I think it's it's not so much that um, you know it shouldn't come in. It's it's probably just the way um, that it occurs. Um, you know, what's the mechanism? Um, you know, what's the right of the club? What's the right of the player? Um, you know, what, what would it mean even from a TPP perspective? There's a lot of things still to work through, I think, to, to make everyone feel comfortable that it's viable. Um, and I think if we can work through that, I, I do feel it's inevitable at some point it will come in. Um, and getting to the back end of your question, who? Um, oh, there's a few. Um, and I think from our perspective, we, um, you know, like a Darcy Moore or a, um, a uh, you know, a, um, Jeremy McGovern or someone like yep. that to, to help us find down a spot back for those pretty, two. I think we could, yep. uh, Jared. Um, and I think you know, um, being able to um, sort of look at our team at the moment and have um, you know someone help Aaron up forward um, on a consistent basis, um, someone in their prime. Um, to really help us because we we do actually feel that we've actually got those young yep. developing players come through and Sam Darcy's one of them uh, we've seen Jamara we've had a couple of others Buku's playing his role at the moment um, but someone in the prime of their career would be handy Granny um, just wondering when you not obviously ask you to comment directly on another club but when you see what's happening at Essendon with a review and you know, other teams in similar situations over the last couple of years someone in your position do you think of, uh, think about um, What's going on there, and are there things at your own club that, even though you know broadly things are going really well, that you need to look at? Or uh, I imagine you are constantly looking at things, but the difference between an ongoing review and something where they're going to take a deeper dive. Oh, look, it's it, 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 it's interesting, Hutt. I, I've been around football a long time, and um, I think part of your question I would answer that you're always uh, and should be always looking at um, on any given time uh, whether it's daily, weekly you know, what's going on in your environment um, how are your personnel travelling, how are they performing and that's not just players obviously, that's staff um, uh, what's the next iteration of our program where's the improvement going to come from that has to be a constant um, but in saying that I've been involved um, at Clubland for a long period of time whether it's as a player, um, a board member um, and even as a board member, I sort of refer to, um, you know, during the sort of end of Brendan McCartney um, uh, tenure into the Luke Beveridge tenure. And, 
Um, you sort of think you're across it all, um, but you're not always across the finer detail um, if you're not asking the right questions. And I think the learnings out of that was you've just got to ask the, the deep questions constantly. If you're not, you can uh, be caught out. And, you know, that's uh, not to say that Essendon aren't having or uh, not doing that now. Um, it's just purely and simply that, you know, the deep questions have to be asked all the time. You know, it's not a given. You can't assume. Um, you know, there's, you've got to have strong relationships, uh, but you also got to be very honest along the way too. Um, and, and if you are, I think you're in um, a good position to be able to um, judge um, intimately um, at the um, uh, constant uh, period of time uh, how your program's travelling. Don't always get it right. Yep. Um, but if it's not going right, you've got to deal with it quickly. You, know, you can't let it fester. You, know, you can't hope that it's going to be uh, better in the future and it's just going to naturally improve. Um, you've just got to keep pushing and, and, and driving that and, and hopefully get the result at the end of it. Grandy, good to have you with us. Good luck for tonight. Thanks, boys. Chris Grant, the head of footy at the Western Bulldogs. So there's a couple of topics there for us to kick around uh, in the next half hour or so. AFL Nation, when we take your feedback across the weekend, it will be on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. Uh, AFL Nation, we look forward to Friday night footy, the Bulldogs and the Cats. A sports news update for Rolled. Eat good with Rolled. It's fast, fresh Vietnamese. The Boston Celtics have fought back to win Game 1 of the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors, 120-108. to The Celtics outscored the Warriors 40 points to 16 in the final quarter. Steph Curry scored a game-high 34 points for the Warriors, but it wasn't enough to stop the Celtics' Al Horford, Jalen Brown and Derek White, all scoring above 20 points. To tennis, Australia's Heath Davidson is through to the quad wheelchair single semifinals at the French Open with a straight sets quarterfinal win. American teenage sensation Coco Goff is through to the women's singles final, where she will face world number one Iga Swiatek. And Daniel Sturridge's time at Perth Glory has officially come to an end after just six appearances for a total of 139 minutes. That's the latest in sport. I'm April Austin. Eat good with rolled. It's fast, fresh, Vietnamese. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in store now. The Bulldogs and the Cats is our Friday night fair. It looks like Jake Collar-Jasney's a laid out for the Cats. He's in the health and safety protocol, so we'll wait for that to be confirmed in the, in the next few minutes. AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. A few of the topics of the week to kick around with Nathan Jones and Jared Healy. How'd you read Essendon's week, Jared? I found it hard to read. Um, I thought the 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 initiating of the um, review was essentially on the Bombers' website, but I think from a public perspective, it was when the president joined you for a discussion on your uh, program in the morning. And, and listening to that, I thought to myself, well, you've just given me a complete explanation for the position of the club. You're happy with the future, potential premierships in the next two to three years. I walked away thinking, why have a review, if that's the case? Six to eight are your best out. Big-bodied mids and forwards, they're out. Well, there's your rational explanation, why have a review, Jones? I couldn't quite, couldn't, couldn't quite understand the necessity for it. Yeah, well, that's my read on it too. Like, I was a bit... I'm not sure why. Like, uh, I guess I can only speak from my experience, but I think you've just got to ride the storm out. And... Um, uh, but 
in saying that, I'd, Essendon are a really big club and what sort of pressure and stuff is going on there, I think maybe you know they have to come out in some way and appease the the supporters and fan base and members and that kind of thing. But, but are you doing that if you have a review that uh, is a PR exercise? Well, exactly. And now this is the issue they've gone because what's happened is there's the, everyone is now dissecting that and questioning why, well, if they're reviewing, why aren't they reviewing everyone? And uh, yeah, it's not... Oh, if it was a PR exercise, it's been poorly handled. Would, uh, so 19 was your catastrophic year? Yeah, would, would a review in the middle of 19 have done anything? Nothing. No. Um, like I mentioned before, I think you've just got to hold on and try and extrapolate whatever you can out of that. Um, and the club committed from a board level. We're going, this is the direction we're going in. And there was reasons as to, you just pointed out the reasons with Essendon then as to why we aren't performing to the level we had some expectation for. We had another chance in 2020, and the expectation, I think, internally was we need to make finals. If we play in a prelim two years ago and we'll have one year where, you know, it's an aberration, uh, but we're going to bounce back. And we just missed out. We went into a review. Are we doing absolutely everything right? And the entire club was, like, pulled apart and dissected and making sure everyone was on the same page. And then from there, we, I remember coming back to the preseason. It was like a new place. Very, very clear and simplified direction. Everyone on the same page. Every de- department within the footy club pushing in the same direction. And we just gathered momentum off that. I think one of the, the overriding things that makes it more complicated is we know that there's a restriction on what you can do. And that is because of the soft cap. Yeah. So if you start your review by saying essentially no one's going to get moved on. And we're going to add to it. Well, how do we're you going do to that? add to this and we're going to have development and we're going to have uh, help in recruiting and, you know, the medical science elements of it. Why haven't you done that already? Well, well you probably haven't done it already because you haven't got any room in your salary well, that's cap. That's right. Yeah. Or your, your soft cap. So look. Paul Brescia did say that they would consider paying the luxury tax mm. as it is. Okay. Because if they. If there were really solid recommendations to burst the cap, they would be prepared to pay the tax that goes with that to to add. Well, I guess that's the beauty of a big, big club. But the downside is that, you know, four weeks ago you say you're not having a review and the factions start rumbling and uh, you bow to those factions. I mean, that's about the only way you can sort of interpret this. Um, and you bow to them and you create a, an issue that you probably don't really need right now. I think the thing is for all those reasons and excuses around injury, uh, the question about their system that has, you would hope to some degree that no matter who the personnel is, it can function when you spend a whole pre-season, you make some sort of changes to what you're doing and that it's failed as it has, particularly on certain occasions. Surely, and that's definitely worth analysing, yeah. I would think, but... You'd think they would know that by now, wouldn't you, as to what has gone wrong, whether the system they put in place was wrong or whether the, the training and teaching of it or the execution of it has gone wrong. Well, I reckon wrong. if you go back three years, might have been four years when Ben first turned up, I mean, they've had this lack of defence for a fair period of time. Ben Rutten would have been recruited from Richmond to instill yep. a defence. Uh, Blake Carousella would have been recruited from Richmond to bring total ball movement, which includes a defence. So... I mean, I think they've been trying to address this issue for a period of time. It's a bit like the big-bodied midfielder. They've been trying to address it for six years, but uh, they can't actually, can't actually nail it. So it's, it's, it's confusing to me what's going on and what's led to the review. And I look forward to them, A, finding something, because that'll justify it, and B, you know, becoming a better club, because they're a big club and the game's a better game when they're firing. The, the, 
they spoke about their constituency. The only their constituency wants a review that ends in a bloodbath. It does. I mean, I listened all all week to it. Yeah. Um, so that that's the level of unrest. They, there's no appeasing with a. Mm. You no, know, we're, we're just trying to improve and find is is whatever that work. The one fiftieth doesn't help. No. Doesn't. So and we're going to have them three Friday nights in a row. So they're going to be squarely at the centre of every conversation. For yeah, those they're weeks. under the microscope. I'm, I mean, that opens up another door, and that is the scheduling three. Friday nights. I mean, they didn't have to do Friday nights. I mean, Essendon haven't been playing well. They're two and nine. What was? I mean, the hundred and fiftieth guarantee that has to be on. Give that a tick. Why would you back up? Let's say they lose that by ten goals. Why would you back up the next two Friday nights? What sort of intelligence sort of underlines that decision? It, well, it was a punt. It felt like at the time. Trying to load up Thursday nights and Friday night with big drawing teams, mm. without ignoring the fact yeah. that they were going. Poorly, yeah. and there was enough evidence at that stage to say they were going poorly that it was an odd decision as soon as it was released. But ultimately, the biggest drawing element of a game is is two good teams yeah. because you're you know as big as Essendon's support base is, it it's not bigger than all the neutrals because if all the neutrals are banding together, they're the biggest team we've got. So it, look, beggars belief some of the scheduling right now, and uh, no Thursday nights through the season. I mean, we've learnt that lesson. Three Friday nights. That's a repeat of the Carlton nonsense uh, about four years ago. Yeah. It is. Uh, what about the shenanigans from the tribunal? Well, I must admit, I, I thought I was a bit offended for Buddy with the cowardly, um, you know, comparison. I thought it was poor. I mean, I, I was a bit betwixt and between on whether or not there was enough force for it to be graded as a strike anyway. I don't think he punched him, he, he pushed him. But once he was, and we talked about this last Friday night, once he was pinged, he was, I thought, I think he was going to go down. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's I think it's beneath the person that sort of throws the cowardly line out to somebody as great as Buddy Franklin, even somebody who's just played football, who's who's thrown an innocuous push, come strike, and uh, you get labelled that for uh, somebody who wanted a grandstand. It was a very odd case. Yeah, it was. Oh, I must say, so we were watching it in at Fox before three sixty. Yeah, this is so. It's just not in keeping with the way these things normally run. It's usually so. It's usually dreadfully boring, mm. if we're honest. But yeah. th- this was as feisty and as as combative a tribunal hearing as I'd ever come across. And the, the incident didn't why? warrant it. No, I I can't really fathom yeah. why because the incident didn't warrant no. it. Is the the prosecution just simply had? Did he make contact with his chin or not? Is mm. it didn't have to be. Flowery. It didn't have to be cowardly. This is, you know, martial, uh, combat sport. Mm. It didn't have to be cotch and acting. It was just if he clipped, if he hit him on the chin, he was going to get a week. Yeah, I think I think there should have still been some measurement of force because that's the rule. I mean, we have seen and I think the Swans put it up. You know, forceful jumper punches, two fisted jumper punches, just a blind eye turn to them. So it just it just seemed uh, the whole thing was a mess. If you ask me. Yeah, and you've got. You know, Franklin's the biggest figure in the game, and Trent Cochin is a Brownlow medalist and yep. a three-time premiership captain. That it was, it was undignified. And Cochin's not there. That was the. I objected a bit more to the Cochin stuff initially than the Franklin mm. stuff. You know, he's not even there. Mm. That that's out of order. Yeah, it was hard to be, for the Swans to be too offended, wasn't yeah, it? When their bloke yeah. said what he said about so I think, You know, a straighten it up is not a bad strategy. Can I just say one thing about that incident, though? As much as it's cost a week, that incident. 
got them the four points because Buddy mm. was not invested. We said that at the time, didn't he, we? We did. I have never seen Buddy more invested. After that, he took an overhead mark that yep. we haven't seen for five years. He kicked five, four or five goals in a half a footy. His pressure went through the roof. Buddy was not invested. Yep. He was in somewhere between second and third gear before that, and he went straight into overdrive. <laughs> 100% right. The Hyundai Stereo Load is the van that is big on safety and huge, uh, big on value and huge on safety. It's the only commercial van to receive a five-star rating and platinum awards from, from, for safety from ANCAP. 47,990 drive away. The Beaumont Tiles huge sale is on right now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy, the Western Bulldogs and Geelong. The final teams are in. There is a change in that Geelong side. Jake Kolejasny is in the health and safety protocols and Luke Dalhouse comes into the selected side. Not Quentin, exactly like for like. No, is it? it's not. Quentin Narkel is the medical sub for the Cats and Mitch Wallace is the sub for the Dogs. Our AFL Nation pre-game show for Sports Power, your local footy experts. There's a couple of topics from the week that actually fit neatly into old bull, young bull. And the... the mid-season trade fits into that because you lived in an era, Jared. It's like there's no collective memory for the fact that this was this is heritage. This is part and parcel of it. I was on the bench and I think it was my second year uh, I was at the Witten Oval and the rumour had gone around that Greg Wells was about to become a Carlton player. This was mid-season and Greg was a mentor of mine, a mentor of mine and Halfway into my second year, he just disappeared. And two years later, I think he played in a premiership side. Certainly played in a premiership side, but um, he went on and played finals his first year. So it worked for him. We picked up uh, two or three blokes from Carlton. Didn't really work for us um, as a club. And so at that stage, I wasn't a great fan of the uh, mid-season draft, <laughs> I've got to say. But there was also another one that was a huge success. Russell Green was mm. Russell Green was a, a guy that uh, was... Very talented, but had never really got the best out of himself at St Kilda. And he went to Hawthorne in a mid-season trade. They picked up a couple of OK players that, you know, played well, but uh, Greeny finished up captain of Victoria, All-Australian, fantastic premiership player, one of the... and became actually a, a role model of mine. I, I just... I found out what he was doing is by way of fitness, and it was... 6-8-10, through the week in pre-season and he, he was just turned himself into a running machine and actually ran into him at Christmas time um, and had a beer with him. So if you're, if you're listening, Russell, all the best to you. Hope you're, uh, hope you're in good spirits. He's but a great man, Green, isn't he? He is. He's terrific and he was a great player. A great player. Luckily, you know, he landed on his feet, went to, you know, one of the most highly successful clubs in our history, but he was a, a significant part of it. Did so Silvio, it does work. Yeah, did Silvio Fashini ruin it? I've meant all week I've been yeah, meaning I to heard go you back say and that try to and I was read. trying to remember it. Was that mid-season? I didn't think that was mid-season. I, just, okay. I, I, was I think that was just it? more he, he challenged the rules uh, because they were, what's the phrase, um, Restraint of trade. Restraint of trade. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where Silvia... have to go Sylvia. back and read yeah. Football Limited. I'm sure it's in there. Gary, yes. it's in, all the answers are in Gary Linnell's book. So can it, could it work reinstituted in the modern Because the, the difference obviously now is there's picks, there's draft picks yeah, as well. Yeah, there's currency. But, I mean, there were 
there's draft picks, but there were player exchanges. Look, it, at that the time, it just seemed normal to me. As a player, as a, as a fan, it just seemed what happened. There was section, what were they called, 21s or section 24s or section 4s, I think it was. Players would bob up out of nowhere from Adelaide. Form 4s, weren't they? Form 4s. Form 4s, that's what yeah. they were. Form 4s. And, you know, somebody somebody would fly in from... Robbie Wiley would turn up from nowhere. Well, where's Robbie? He's from Western Australia. It turns <laughs> out he's a gun. Yeah. So, you know, lists would change and teams would change and somebody would go up the ladder two or three spots on the basis of the recruiting that had to be done by... There was a, there was a number. It was June 30th June, or yeah, June, think, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. But you could still pick up some pretty handy players in the first 12 weeks of the season. So, in answer to your question, it worked back then, so ultimately it can still work. The modern construct where we build a team for the season, Jonesy, what's your perspective? Oh, I just loved listening to that. Like, this is a long, uh, long time before me. Um, I wasn't even aware that it, that it was at that kind of level. Um, I absolutely, I'm a fan of it, yeah, for sure. I, th- I think it should definitely come in. Um, I think the viability is a work in progress obviously you're not going to pull the trigger until it's until you've exhausted every avenue to make sure it's going to function correctly um and you know there's the right sort of remuneration and uh you know it sort of balances out because i think one of the great things right now is the evenness of the competition i think really that only enhances it particularly um you know being able to fill holes holes and voids that have bobbed up during the year potentially with players from other clubs like I think it'd be amazing you listened to Chris Grant before if he could take someone like a McGovern towards the back end of the year and help the dogs on a finals charge like um but I don't know how then that looks on reverse to West Coast who are also struggling but that'd be draft picks I mean I don't like the idea of borrowing them for six weeks you've got to to change clubs it's official yeah yeah, for sure sorry some of the other things that used to happen along the same lines was blokes would bob up out of the country and serious players would turn up. You know, my memory is not strong enough, but blokes would turn up and have an impact on clubs. But, I mean, the gap between club footy and country footy now is so vast, I doubt whether that's ever going to happen again. But uh, would, you, would you think North Melbourne... I mean, North Melbourne are on a, on a horrible journey at the present time. It's not going to be affected that much if Todd Goldstein wasn't there. But, but the Geelong Footy Club would be a much better chance of winning the flag if they finally got Todd Goldstein like they were hoping to get a couple of years ago and again last year. I mean, I don't think there's an issue there, and I heard you during the week, and I agree with you, Jared. They might pick up a first-round draft pick for Todd Goldstein this year. They'll get zero for him at the end of the year. We've got other case studies. So you think there's a lad in, on Fremantle's list who there'd be a queue for, yeah, yeah, and if Fremantle is. is searching for a piece... He would be the way to get it. Well, Lloyd Meek is the name. and I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Lloyd Meeks. He's still got a long way to go, but he can play. He's a serious player. He's, I don't think he's going to force his way into their best 22, but I mean, this is the problem with you know people saying you know there shouldn't be any exchange. You've got this kid who would be the first ruck in, I reckon, eight out of the 16 teams. Yeah. Uh, and I've got no question he'd be, you know, he'd be a walk-up start. They've, they've probably... also got an excess of defend- defenders, haven't they? Really? Well, depends on whether you call Griffin Logan a defender or not. And finally, they have uh, succumbed to the pressure that I've been applying to them, and uh, <laughs> they've pushed him into the forward line. They've got Hamling as well. Yeah, but they have. Yeah. I think Griffin Logue, If I'm in Griffin Logue's shoes, I'm thinking there's a premiership here. 
and we spoke to uh, the coach during the week, and I think it's just unfolded. I don't think he rated him as a forward, but he showed on the weekend he's got a role to play up there. I'd be staggered if he's not playing forward on the weekend, Griffin Lowe. And I think uh, we've had a couple of weeks to look at Jordan Sweet, who can clearly only play first ruck. So as soon as English came back last week, he was a total liability. But the two weeks he was asked to play first ruck, I think there'd be six clubs who'd be willing to trade with the Bulldogs for him now. And if the Bulldogs are thinking, we need one piece down there and one piece down there. And Sweet's going to leave at the end of the year because Darcy's got so big. There's no first ruck future for Jordan Sweet at the Bulldogs. He's worth way more to the Bulldogs this week than he will be at the end of the year when he'll go for a packet of chips. I'll give you another one. If I'm the Blues, I know they've gone out and got Sam Durden. I'm going to Melbourne and saying... Mitch Brown should have been playing senior footy for the last three years. You've been uh, just stockpiling him down in the twos. Mitch Brown is going to play for us at centre-half back uh, starting next week. What do you want for him? Would he make it, Jonesy? Has he still got it in him? Oh, I think so. Not necessarily. From what I've seen, he's more, more of forward? a genuine forward. Okay. But I, I think there's so you could go through. But most forwards, can, most fail forwards, end up in the back line. We, <laughs> he could be all Australian, Mitch Brown, if he got another game. <laughs> That's a huge call. But then you could go through, you could go through so many of the lists and create these. And I think this dynamic, this addition to the game, would be would only enhance the product even further. I think it's, for mine, it's an absolute no-brainer. I'd love to see it. I think the theatrics of it would be awesome. And I think ultimately it's going to make for an even better competition. You get judged. So if you chose to sit still mm. while the rest of the contenders added a piece, oh, you'd get judged. Mm. Like the, the, the pressure to do something while everyone else around you is doing something. Oh, the bit that I'm confused about is when this gets raised, people default straight to the negative. You go, that, that family can figure it out. Mm. Like there is no mandatory trade at the moment. You have to agree to it. If you don't want to move across the country, that's okay. But you might be desperate to move across the country. Jai um, Cully has become a cult hero, packing up his job at Coles yeah. and Charcoal. We're happy to send him across the country. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't understand. We default to the negative on this one when the possibilities yeah. are just, they're awesome. Yeah. Well, Chris Grant talked about it. Let's go and find a stable senior forward. I'm putting up Mitch Brown again. I'm going to get him a job somewhere. <laughs> Maybe he'll get a job with Melbourne. The Hyundai Staria Load is the van that is big on space and huge on safety. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP. Available from 47990 Drive Away for ABN holders. Take a tech drive today. A bit more of Old Bull, Young Bull with Nathan Jones and Jared Healy. Next on the AFL Nation pregame show, the Beaumont Tiles huge sale is on right now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. 35 minutes from the opening siren this Friday night. The Bulldogs are going through their warm-up out in the middle of Marvel Stadium. Welcome back to AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. I know that Old Bull wants to raise with Young Bull tagging. And what say the new generation with a couple of really firm examples? Flat battery. Now we're sweet. 
I've been watching this uh, with great interest, Jones, over the last <laughs> few weeks, and I was hoping that you would come to the table and uh, share with us your change of mindset on taggers. But ultimately, the question is, we know that the coaches think it's good coaching to allow a bloke to get 25 possessions to half-time, then sit on him. When will they cross the Great Divide and say, well, why don't we get revolutionary and sit on him from the first minute? <laughs> oh, look, I think from my experience, it's just so, so system-based now that we went away from it. And it's starting to infiltrate its way back in, I think. From what I've seen, there's a few teams that will employ it. But like I said, it's just so system-based, so structured. I, I hear that, but, but Fremantle was so system-based at halftime that they were four goals down. And after halftime, they weren't as system-based and they won by eight goals. Yes, well... Uh, the previous week, Hawthorne was so system-based, they were uh, getting well beaten at halftime. After halftime, they were slightly less system-based, but they locked under Lockie O'Neill, Lockie Neal, and they won the game. I mean, it, it's, uh, I'm really struggling to come with, to, to grips with the logic of it. Yeah, well, I, I think the proof is in the pudding, as you've said. Uh, it's just the capability of being able to pull it off. I think at times you could be critical that when teams have tagged, um, you know, the taggee is able to manipulate that and, I guess, create an, an even further advantage if it's not with the ball. But the examples you've given, when you get it right, it actually can be a really potent weapon. It's having, I think it's having the right person to be able to execute yeah. it. Um, but if you don't believe it, you're not looking for that right person. I'll be staggered if John Longmire doesn't find a way to have somebody sitting on Clayton Oliver tomorrow night. And I'm talking hard tag. Well, I absolutely agree with you. I think they should, no doubt about it, because his influence at stoppage is significant. And I think there's there's guys that you can pinpoint out that are obvious yep. statistically. You know, there's guys that will rack numbers. Then there's guys that will actually hurt you as far as meters, score involvement, you know, all of those things from their contested possession and clearance wins. I think they're the and guys. He's becoming more and more that player, isn't he? Who's that? Lockie Neal. Well, Lockie Neal is, and tomorrow. And Sunday, James Aish, who went on to Clayton Oliver. Yep. I mean, if he doesn't start on him, you, you just scratch your head. And the Sydney Swans have got one in Mills who does tight tags, but still can accumulate a lot of footy. And I think that's probably the landing zone for the coaches who want to back their system. Just on Oliver, was it? Do, do we read anything into that that he's the one to tag? Just like two weeks ago, oh, actually Ed Langdon's the one to tag. Or was it just him for that game and, and that time? Petrarca was obviously crook as well, yeah. so there's obviously some flow and effect there. They, they picked the right man to tag. Well, I think Clayton Oliver's the best clearance player in the game and, and one of the best clearance players ever. I'd be tagging him because he just does so much damage. I mean, Lockie Neal. Brisbane are a totally different side when Lockie Neal is not at, at his best. I'd be tagging him and I'll be hard tagging him for a period of time and there's two or three others in the same boat. What now, about... It doesn't mean you win, no. but, it, but at least you're controlling something that can get you out of control very quickly. And playing down a level. So Nat Fife returns through the waffle. That yep. is evidently is a, a discussion point. It just seems to make a lot of sense to me, but that's okay. Um, was there a stigma to playing down a level in, in your day, Jared? Oh, not when you're coming back from injuries. No, I think it was most people did it. I think Diesel was probably the bloke who could play 
after a significant period, let's say six weeks, and come back and play a significant game. Not I many remember, guys can. I remember going to Princess Park in 1991 at about 10 o'clock in the morning to watch the return of Gary Ablett after he, re- he retired yep. in the off-season. He came back, I don't know, around seven or eight or whatever and played in the VFL. That, yep. was, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, did he play well? I can't, I can't yeah. remember. But he, would, he would have only had to get up I, a dozen. I don't think he four or five. He wouldn't have cared too much for the but VFL. I, I personally think it's the right decision. I mean, this is a, this is a long-term plan for Fremantle. They are in the premiership window right now. They don't want to have... You know, they can win or lose without... Uh, him and they've put and they've been really successful without him so far. So, I think it's smart management. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays two in the seconds. But uh, bring him in when they're cherry ripe. In fact, have they got the buy next they've week. Got the buy. Okay, yeah. so he's he's not going to play for another couple of weeks. He may play two. The VFL I, I think will probably play still be playing. The yeah, the, the, the waffle. Well, the waffle. Sorry, yeah, will yeah. still be playing. So he might get the two weeks, and I think that's a perfect uh, long-term vision. They're not desperate for a win. They they're still going to play finals. And uh, to have him back, cherry ripe, injury free for the last uh, run at it is more important than you know whether or not somebody's ego gets dented. What about you? What you say, you young bull? I totally agree. Yeah, and that's coming from my experience too. Particularly coming off injuries, yeah. I just think it's a far better way to come back, find your feet, and just get some continuity and belief. Particularly with his injuries belief just back in his body again and just feeling good it's i think it only you know he comes back into the spotlight and only enhances the pressure on him and like you said i think it's just smart and professional management from frio just to know that they've got that up his up their sleeve let's get him absolutely right so when he comes back you know he, we've got no doubts uh, we're told that nathan five led the charge and i and i would think that's probably right but it was pretty clear to me talking to justin longmuir during the week his gut feeling was that was the right call. Yep. So I think they're uh, in harmony there. And there's the, the bigger aspect to this conversation is it's a huge consideration whether Fife buys in totally to what Fremantle is doing and finds his place in yep. that rather than comes back in and tries to impose himself probably mm. in the manner that, that he has been forced to do in, in recent years. Yeah, and, and Nat Fife is smart enough. I, I think he's a really high IQ guy, Nat Fife. He, he will be... He'll perceive exactly what you're saying, that this is our time, and ultimately this is his time as captain. He may well be Fremantle's first premiership captain, but and what he does over the next two or three months will be as significant as any. If he can get back to his brutal best, I mean, he's as good a contested player that we've ever seen in the game. His kicking is not A-grade, but everything else about him is 100% A-grade. Imagine adding that to this exciting group of players that are coming through and busting down the doors. I mean, we may have another one. We may have another first. Fremantle getting their first flag ever. Wouldn't that be an exciting finish to the season? What of um, the necessity to buy into the defensive side of the game? So he's been excused from the defensive side of the game and he's hardly alone. The stars of the game have been set up that way. Um, Will he resume that or do you think there'll be some boundaries put around him as he returns? I think there would have been some boundaries and expectations for sure. Like, I wouldn't discount the impact he's having behind the scenes as far as the transition they've made as a club in terms of buying into the new system and the new way they're playing and you know now the only real thing that he has to do is just come back and slot into that and I, I think it would be like you said high IQ guy he'd be so well aware of the influence that he can have on that group and 
from my perspective, I would assume from behind closed doors, he has had a profound impact on the group. And now his challenge is to come in and just do his role and his part at his absolute best. And um, I think that's all they'd be expecting as well. Like from my experience, um, you know, within that system, when you get it rolling, the expectation is just each individual brings their absolute best in the role that they're designated to play. And I'm sure that he'd be pushing that. And then his responsibility as the skipper and captain is to deliver on that when he gets back. Can the they, hype is going to go into overdrive, though. If Fremantle can beat Brisbane, can knock they, off Brisbane and Melbourne in two weeks, well, they clearly can win it. There's no question of that. You know, they've, they've probably opened up that discussion one week earlier than I think, or maybe a month earlier than I think that we, uh, that we thought. But the win against Melbourne was multifactorial. Melbourne were ready to be beaten, lost a couple of players, had a couple of players not playing. So Melbourne aren't at their best. So they're going to have to get better again to beat Melbourne when they bring their best. But they've got a long way. They've got another 12 weeks to improve, and they're adding Nat Fife. I mean, it's really exciting because it, it brings another sort of layer of intrigue to the, to the season. Nobody on this side of the country follows them more closely than you do, Jude. Are, are they further advanced than you expected them to be? Or are they tracking in about the manner that, that you had assessed? I didn't see them beating Melbourne. So, yes, they're another level. But once again, it was a, a victory against a week in Melbourne. So that's not to take it away from them. I think if they can beat Freeman, uh, beat uh, Brisbane, that franks what we saw last week. And uh, I think Griffin Logue really interests me. I've always thought that their forward line needed another tall. Lloyd Meek is a bit too slow. They, lo- they want the pressure, but they found out on the weekend he can add that pressure. What do they do with Nat Five? If Five goes into the middle, maybe they lose out on a bit of defence, and, and pressure has been their number one element. They don't really need to have his bullocking because they're getting enough ball. Maybe he goes forward. Monday may go forward, so somebody may lose their spot in that forward line. But, you know, Switzkowski didn't play last week. He's a, he's a gun. He'll be pushing up for all Australian squatters as a small forward. And if they can keep themselves injury-free, they're going to be in the mix. Old bull, young bull with Jared Healy and Nathan Jones on a Friday night. Our travel partner for AFL Nation is Samsonite's Innovative Travel and Business Solutions. Hutto will run you through the rest of Round 12 shortly. There's only five more games, but they are a really interesting set in this first of the bye rounds. And it starts with the Bulldogs and the Cats. That's coming up on AFL Nation, the pre-game show. The Beaumont Tiles huge sale is on right now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in store now. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.